Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, to the first ever edition of GC Live Foul Balls. I am joined with my lovely co-host, the lefty specialist, Colin Taylor. Colin, how are we doing, boss? I am fantastic. A little tired um, with everything going on, but a lot of fun. This baseball team has been a lot of fun to cover through these first, I guess, 17 games, if I'm doing my math right. Uh, and really excited to kind of talk about it and, and get everybody up to speed on every fun thing that's been happening. And uh, baseball is kind of my my nerd. I get to nerd out over baseball because I'm a huge numbers guy. So very excited to see and um, talk a few numbers. I have like all these insane spreadsheets that I have. Oh, yeah. I've seen them. They're legit. They're insane. Um, but I'm excited to talk South Carolina baseball every Monday night at 7 p.m. where we'll recap the series that was and kind of look ahead to the um, recap what it means for South Carolina and kind of today's the big one. So uh, kind of recapping the first four weeks of the season and previewing uh, what's going to be or what should be um, a really fun trek through these next 10 or so weeks of SEC play. So before we get started, um, I would like to talk to you all about Clint Hammond, of the Movement Mortgage Network, uh, ClintHammond.com. You obviously see him right there. He is the title sponsor of everything you see and hear at Gamecock Central on our YouTube channel. Uh, branch manager there, fantastic human. Clint loves South Carolina, um, and we ask you to help the people that help us, and Clint has helped us a ton. So if you're looking to sell your home, buy a home, uh, Clint's the guy you need to be looking out for. Uh, you got all of his information right there. See him in the Mortgage Network. Um, absolutely, you know, his NMLS number one day, I'm going to get that thing right, uh, without having to slow it down. You see it right there. Uh, everything you need, Clinton can help you out. He is your guy. He is a Columbia dude, a South Carolina guy. Um, and like I said, support the people that support us and, uh, go if you need to sell your home or if you need to, to buy one, um, Clint is your guy to do that. Um, so reach out to him if you have any questions or anything like that that you want from Clinton, and he'll he'll hook you up. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then I mean, if you guys need his number, his number is above us. Yeah, as you can see, it's uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's up there the entire time. Yep. It's what being a presenting sponsor will do for you. Absolutely, absolutely. So Colin, I guess kicking it off, we'll start with the offense. Yeah, I mean that's what everyone wants to talk about, right? The pitching staff's the pitching staff, but this offense has yep. been. Pretty doggone good. Lived up to at least some of the billing through the first 17 games. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, hashtag Gamecock home run tracker. I will 
we'll give my plug there for, for my running tweet. I, I and we are going to pull up some of those home runs. We'll make that a little segment um, once we get further into this, kind of work out the kinks a little bit. But um, yeah, Colin, the offense has really, really, really been clicking. Um, it's to me, it's the Monty Lee effect, arguably, because uh, I mean, last year you struggled with hitting, so then you bring in an assistant coach who you know is well versed in the subject. Um, and I've just kind of heard from inside the building that that Monty's really, really been helping um, when it comes to the cages and everything, and, and just their whole stance on hitting. Um, so I, I think Monty has the addition of Monty Lee has helped um, a lot, and then we're seeing it. I mean, offense this early in the year, we didn't really see that last year. We didn't see this much firepower early on in the year. And so that's, I mean, my initial take is the Monty effect. And it's just, it's been runs after runs after runs. And their bats have gotten them out of a lot of sticky situations um, early on in the games. And I mean, we saw the Clemson series too with um, the game in Greenville, especially where it was back and forth and the bats just stayed hot and were were able to respond, which I don't think we've seen in a while, not let alone last year. Um, So I, I'm really happy to see what the bats have done and are doing so far heading into SEC play. Yeah. And it's one of those things where I said it on our 107.5 show today, but I don't think Chad Kaye gets enough credit for the job he did last year. Now the stats don't bear it out because South Carolina ranked at or near the bottom in most offensive categories. But um, for Kaye to do that, um, it's with, Four proven hitters and a bunch of freshmen. Um, I think he got the most out of that offense, which is saying a lot. And uh, the cupboard was a lot deeper and better stocked for Monte Lee to come in uh, because Kaye brought in all the transfers that you've seen. Um, the Gavin Costas's, the Caleb Denny's, the Will McGillis's, the Dylan Brewer's, the Jonathan French's, all of which are making an impact early. Uh, and their approaches, their their philosophies are the same. Line drives, um, get on base, and set the stage for the dudes that can hit the ball 400 feet. Yeah. But it's a it's a difference in how you go about doing it. Kaye was very big on, you know, they both want to use the whole field. What hitting coach doesn't want to use the whole field? Yeah. But Kaye was very much a attack early in counts. Get the pitcher's probably going to throw his best pitch early in your at bat just to get ahead. Or to if he falls behind, he's going to try to use that pitch to get ahead or, or get a strike call. Whereas Monty, Monty Lee, it's very much a, hey, let's grind out at bats. Let's work five, six, seven pitch at bats, foul some stuff off, be gritty, grind. And if he and do that with power to boot, and then there's something that you can work with there. So, uh, and, and he's even said it in the media availabilities, like, if we take a strike that's borderline, we take a strike that's borderline. We're going to walk a ton, but and we might strike out a ton just because we're taking a bunch of pitches, and sometimes that happens. So it's one of those where the offense has clicked. The offense has done what it's supposed to. Is it going to stick? Who knows? Um, we've seen this team have really good offensive starts, and they get to the, the SEC where pitching staffs are incredibly deep. Um, and it, it scuffles at times. So I think South Carolina, this is probably the most optimistic I've been in the SEC for a while. And in reality, if you're South Carolina, you'd like to have a top three or four offense in the league. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but with this pitching staff, you don't feel the pressure to have to go out there and put up, you know, 10 runs a game, eight runs a game. 
uh, because you know that pitching staff is going to keep most opponents down. And and that's what you want to see for South Carolina, that complement of a pitching staff that can keep you in games and an offense that if you're trailing late can uh, really surge forward. And that's what you want if you're South Carolina. And um, I've been really impressed with with what they're doing from that standpoint and grinding out at bats. And then you pair that with a ton of talent and a ton of experience on this roster and you got you got a good thing right now as you get an SEC play. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess looking at the bad side of things, some games in that non-conference schedule, you started a little slow, and then the bats kind of picked up. Um, and I'm I'm looking at Clemson in particular. That Friday game, bats were just kind of asleep. Um, but I don't know, like complaints for for the for the bad side of things, the swing of it. I mean. Got to, I mean, limit the strikeouts going into SEC play. But I think to your point about what Monty said about taking pitches, I think that's kind of what has been happening when when guys are striking out or walking in times where, you know, you would expect them or guys on base or just kind of a clutch situation where you would expect a guy to, you know, at least put it in play or keep, keep going. I think that kind of strategy gets them in trouble um, or it has gotten them in trouble from a little bit that I've, or from what I've watched in the um, non-conference schedule. So, I mean, in terms of the bad, if I had to pick on one thing, it would be that just kind of taking those, those questionable pitches, it's gotten them in some trouble um, before. So that would kind of be the bad Colin. I don't know if you want to touch on that real quick. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a damned if you do damned, if you don't, if you're, yeah, uh, exactly. you saw it a little bit with um, if it's a staff that likes to throw strikes and they throw strikes that, you know, are getting called or they're getting favorable calls, then all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, an 0-2 count or a 1-2 count, and then you're kind of in the hole and you're not able to – you're in defense mode. You're in defend mode more so than anything. And they've been good with two strikes, but you'd rather be hitting 2-1 or, you know, 0-1 instead of, you know, down two strikes. So there's a, a double-edged sword there that if you're taking pitches, sometimes you're going to get in disadvantageous counts and – if that happens, then you're in, you're in defense mode for a lot of the game. So we saw that at times against Penn. We saw that at times, especially against Clemson in that Friday game. And then that, um, uh, I guess, whatever that was, the early in the Saturday game. So, yeah, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But, I mean, from the most part, these, these guys are getting an advantageous counts and making the most of it. So if you're South Carolina, you have to be pleased with that. Um, one thing that I'm – you know, concerned about is the lack of a leadoff hitter, a, a true leadoff hitter. Mm-hmm. You've tried, I want to say, four different guys now there. And Caleb Denny, Mark Kingston said after the, the Saturday or Friday game against Bethune-Cookman, that's probably the answer, at least right now going forward. Yeah. But um, he's been scuffling of late. He's a dude that is, um, I think, one, you know, four for his last 30 or four for his last 32 or something like that. So, um with 12 strikeouts to go along with it. So you need to get him hitting. And if he does, he is a high on base guy. He is a dude that can hit for some power at the top of the lineup. But if you're South Carolina, you, you would really like to find a, a leadoff hitter as you get into the thick of SEC play. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good segue actually in, the, in our next uh, portion of the offensive side. Colin, I'll pose this to you. What does the ideal lineup look like? I think it's what you've seen. Um, I agree over the course of the last three games with Dylan Brewer in center field, uh, Caleb Denny in uh, left with Petri in right. Um, 
Then you got Messina behind the plate, Lee Croy at third, Wimmer at short, McGillis at second, Casas at um, first, and then Horning is your DH. I think that that's, that's what probably, from an offensive standpoint, that's probably your best offensive lineup by far um, as it sits right now. And it allows you some flexibility. You can you saw it on Saturday in the doubleheader. You're facing a lefty. You move Messina to the DH. Jonathan French can come in to catch. Horning is on the bench. If you're facing a lefty like that, so you're more right-handed. But if you're facing a righty, then Horning can easily slide back into that um, DH spot and Messina goes to catch. So there's some flexibility in that. But I think the lineup you, you saw on Friday night and then the first game Saturday is probably – right now what your best lineup looks like offensively speaking and uh, defensively it's probably different. You probably have stone Evan stone in there somewhere. Cause he's that good of a defender. Unreal. Um, you probably have uh, Petri is the DH, even though he's getting better and right, but there's some flexibility there, I think. And, and if you're South Carolina, I think that's a really good thing for you as you um, go into sec plays, you have nine or 10 guys that you feel pretty good about. Um, trotting out there and playing on a, on a given day. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more with um, the first game on Saturday lineup. That's kind of where I was going. Many um, left, you have Hornung DHing, um, and then you have Brewer in center. Um, I mean, Stone's our guy. Um, and you said defensively. That's four kid. That's four yeah. kid, baby. Yeah, absolutely. And good friend of mine, Evan Stone, unbelievable human being. Shout out him. But, I mean, he's just been slumping at the plate recently, and Brewer's been bringing the pop. Um, didn't Brewer didn't look great in pen, in the in the Penn series, but turned it on certainly um, against UNC Upstate with the longest homer of the year. Going, I think it was 463, I believe, um, to deep center field. That it was, was it was a lot. Yeah, it was it, a lot. It was a bomb, man. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, Denny in left, Wimmer at short, Casas hitting third at first. Um, I like Hornung. At DH, um, I'm going to get into – I'll touch a little bit more about him as we'll, we'll name off our MVPs here coming up. Yeah. Um, but Hornung, I like him at the DH. Um, I also kind of liked Casas at DH when, when he does need a break. you got to yeah. keep his bat in the lineup. I mean, he's been unbelievable. And he's been really good at first base too. He's been a lot yeah. better than I initially thought he was going to be at first base to start the year at least. Yeah. So that's, that's really good. Yeah, it's a yep. really good positive for him. Yeah, he definitely progressed a lot. Like, I mean, in the first couple games, we were kind of, you know, he was shaking off the rust, if you will, and that's why they kind of bumped him in and out of that DH spot. But, I mean, as of late, he's been nails at first base. Um, so yeah. that's, I mean, ideally, that's your lineup, the, the first, or the one for the first game against you and Cookman. Yeah. Um, so that's my take. Uh, Colin, you want to get into to some uh, non-conference offensive MVPs? Let's do it. I'll let you go first as the, as the young buck in the room. All righty. I love it. All right. So my offensive MVP would be Mr. Cole Messina, the Moose. Um, Moose twenty or this year so far has 23 hits, 23 runs, seven home runs, and 27 RBIs. He's been on an absolute tear, um, arguably one of the best nicknames on the team. Um, and he, yeah. it's just he's been the most consistent hitter next to Gavin Casas. Uh, and so, I mean, that's that's kind of my 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 logic behind the pick. Um, and again, Messina hits nukes. Um, but again, it was it was really really close uh, between Messina and Casas. Um, I, I went a little different route. Obviously, I could have went with Casas for the newcomer MVP, but I went with Caleb Denny in terms 
of a newcomer. I think Denny kind of embodies it. He's kind of fresh, um, not only to this program, but to college baseball. Um, and so I, I, I think Denny is one of those guys where, you know, you need his bat in the lineup. And um, obviously Casas is, you know, he is another newcomer coming out of Vanderbilt, but it feels like he's been here forever. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of why I went with Denny. Denny, 19 hits, 18 runs, three home runs, and 24 RBIs. He's also been on a tear. My breakout star would be Mr. Will McGillis. Willis, mm-hmm. as I like to call him on Twitter. Um, 13 hits, 13 RBIs, seven home runs. And I, I think, you know, what doesn't get talked about enough with Willis is his um, – defensive ability Uh, he's made a lot of good plays at second base and it's not very often where you have a second baseman that can rake like he does um so i think mcgillis is your breakout star he's really kind of coming to his own Um, another guy that transferred in from southern miss um and he just i mean he was raking at southern miss so it's not really a, a big surprise to anyone who who saw his stats at southern miss but i mean he's been on a tear and i think Another reason why he's my breakout star is just because of his ability to do it on, you know, offense and defense um, because it's second base was kind of a questionable position with women moving over. You didn't really know what you were going to get. And, and, and Will McGillis has stepped up in a big way. Um, so lastly, my unsung hero is Carson Hornung. We talked about him being in DH. I said, I'd bring him back up. Carson's got 13 runs, 12 hits, two home runs and 13 RBIs. The kid has really come into his own recently, um, and his bat has certainly found some life. I think, you know, he's going to continue to progress through SEC play. Um, and I think, again, he's another guy, I mean, that was a catcher. This team had so many guys that can play catcher, and, you know, there was a big competition for who was going to start at catcher and who was going to play DH. Um, Lee Croy being another guy um, that, you know, Lee, luckily Lee Croy can play third, but, I mean, Hornung's my unsung hero because, like, I just I feel like he doesn't get talked about enough. His bat just hasn't been talked about enough, and especially with him really coming into his own a little bit like later in this non-conference schedule, he's going to be my guy to watch um, going into you know SEC play. If if he can keep the momentum rolling and keep hitting the ball, I think you know he's going to be really really deadly. So um, I, I I think those are my column. Those are my MVPs. Interested to hear yours. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start and I'll say my offensive MVP, I'll go Gavin Casas early. Yeah. Dude, in the mid- middle of the order, a guy that can, um, only because I'm going to switch it up for the newcomer. I'll go, you know, middle of the order, I can watch Gavin swing all day just from a how gorgeous. I love a left-handed bat. Just He's able to just really clear things. It, it's, it's a pretty swing. Um, and I still think there's more in the tank for him. Um, What's really impressed me with him is his ability to take walks. Um, those strikeout numbers will probably continue to increase or maybe tick up as you get into league play, but um, you'd like to see him hit for a little bit more contact, but uh, a dude that can hit the ball 400 feet, you don't, you don't care if he's not, you know, if he's hitting singles or whatever. So really impressed with him. I think he's your MVP early. Uh, my, my newcomer, my newcomer will be Ethan Petrie, a dude that, for the most part, like I didn't expect him. I don't think Ethan even expected himself to be where he is right now, but you, he makes some adjustments in the preseason gets two opportunities through the first two games. Um, hits hard, you know, 106 mile an hour off the bat singles 
gets a start and hasn't left the starting lineup since. Um, yeah. Has been really impressive. Still needs to con- continue to get more comfortable and right, but you need his bat in the lineup right now. And a guy that's hitting really well, uh, does a lot of things well, grinds out at bats. He takes pitches, hit sack flies. He gives you, you know, the old cliche of a team at bat. And if you're South Carolina, that's what you want. Um, you just need that team at bat, something that can, um, you know, if there's a runner at third and one out, he lifts a ball to right field for a sack fly and allows the guy to get home and score. So um, that's a huge thing. And, and for South Carolina, that's what you want from a freshman. You don't want to have to put too much pressure on him to be the guy, and he can kind of come in there and play his role. So I think that's huge. Uh, my breakout star um, I could put Cole Messina here. I thought about putting Cole Messina here, but since you said Cole, I'll go Tal Lecroy, a guy that, you know, wasn't expecting, you know, he started to really come along well in the, in the fall. And you're like, okay, well, like if he continues to do this in, in the preseason, he's got a shot. And then all of a sudden, South, you know, he, he continues it and you're like, well, he's got to have his bat in the lineup somewhere. Um, and it has been great so far. Another team at bat guy and, if you're South Carolina, your issue last year was, hey, listen, um, we, we just don't have anything past our top four or five guys in the order just because everyone's so young. And, and Lee Croy was one of those guys. But now he's giving you length. Him, Hornung, um, Petri, McGillis, Brewer now, they're giving you length in that lineup to where it's it's tough to pitch to them one through nine. You know, if you're last year, if you're South Carolina, you get through the fit five hole. And it was kind of easier to get through that more often than not. So um, I'll go him just because he's a guy that's just been so, so, so doggone consistent most of the year. And um, unsung hero is a little interesting to me. So I haven't really thought about it a ton, but I'm going to go Braylon Wimmer. I'm going to, because he's been so good. We don't talk enough about Braylon Wimmer. And for a dude that, is just hitting right now. Like a dude that's just gone out there and just hit. He's done exactly what he's supposed to. He's played a clean shortstop. He's a guy that's just doing what he's supposed to do. And, you know, if if you're Braylon Wimmer, you came back to be that guy, to be the all SEC kind of player you hoped you could be. And he's done that so far. Um, Next step is doing it in league play, but a dude that is is really going to help you um, in SEC play, a dude that, um, He's just he just hits. That's all, and he's going to be consistent as possible in that number two hole all year. And if you get that from him, I think you're going to have a good year if you're South Carolina offensively. And um, been really, 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 really impressed with him um, as you as you go through. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think the the reason why I didn't talk about Wimmer is because I guess there there is you forget more, about him. You yeah, forget. We do. We do. And there are like, it's kind of the expectation that like, okay, this is the guy, like almost. The he's captain. Just yeah. He, he's got a captain feel to it where everyone just kind of expects him to, to do well. And, and it's just, you know, and he is so far so good. Um, and it just, it, it's just the expectation that, you know, he's doing well and that's, it is what it is. And like, he got, I, I like him for, for unsung hero because, not a lot of people do like actually talk about him. You know, it's just yeah. kind of assumed that okay, yeah, Wimmer's doing well. He just hits. Going to do well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So do we is our guest in the in the waiting room now? Yes. There Absolutely. You go. So we can go to our guest. As we're joined by our good friend 
Palmer Thomes. I'm sorry if I butchered that. Um, <laughs> but from UGA uh, on three site, Dogs Online, I believe, correct? Dogs HQ. Dogs, Dogs HQ. HQ. Not bad. Um, but yeah. It's, it's Gators. Bit. It's Gators Online. Don't don't That's mix right. this up with the floor. Yeah, oh, trust me. Yeah, I'm sure that. <laughs> My bad, boss. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Preview Georgia a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Palmer, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Um, we got to meet, I guess, face-to-face in Nashville this past weekend, getting to watch some thrilling college yeah. basketball. Yeah, I, I think both of us were uh, one and done in Nashville at that tournament. And, uh, I mean, we were already talking about this series and, and the excitement for baseball season, excitement yeah. for spring football, obviously, but baseball season is an exciting time of year in, in this conference, always is. Um, and especially, you know, you look at these two teams, um, you know, South Carolina coming in with one loss to the series this weekend, Georgia having played some good baseball up to this point, um, maybe not expected to be doing this well, um, but, but there's certainly a buzz around Athens uh, for this baseball team that they're definitely, definitely was not for the basketball team. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, it, baseball seems like it's really taken off especially over the success maybe of the last couple of years. You have the, the Emerson-Hancock teams that, you know, made regionals, hosted regionals. What does this team, in the in the time you've been able to kind of watch them, some strengths, some weaknesses, and, and what this team's kind of done through the, the first four weeks of the year? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess just an overall assessment of where Georgia baseball is at, first of all, is there is definitely a sense of frustration um, because you mentioned those Emerson Hancock type teams, Cole Wilcox was on them. I mean, Emerson, um, you know, what was an ace pitcher for Georgia in 2018, 2019, 2020, um, 2018 team was a national seed hosted a regional, didn't make it out, lost to Duke in the last game of that regional, uh, 2019 team national seed hosted a regional, didn't make it out, lost to Florida state. Uh, and, and just got shellacked by the Seminoles on their way to Omaha. Um, so, and then that 2020 team was great. Now, number two team in the country headed into a series that was going to be one versus two um, between Georgia and Florida. And, and then obviously COVID shuts it down. There was a lot of excitement about that team. I think if you, even around these parts in Athens, you talk to people and they still say that 2020 team was going to Omaha and Nobody can tell them no. Nobody can right. tell them that it wasn't going to happen. Um, but that has kind of kept Scott Strickland, um, head coach for Georgia, off of the hot seat to this point because they had that 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 team that that had it ripped out from underneath them. Um, and, and I think a lot of people around the country probably feel that way, but definitely the folks at Georgia because of what had happened two years before, making the regional, not making it out. 2021, they don't make the tournament. They were one of the last four teams um, out, and, and Georgia felt like they probably deserved to get in, beat LSU in the SEC tournament. LSU ends up making it in um, over them. 2022, they make it. They don't host. They're a two seed in Chapel Hill um, and lose in three games um, to, to UNC. Um, they lost to VCU in the opener and then UNC in the third game of that regional um, so again, I think there's a lot of pressure on this team to, uh, to, to do something, 
Um, you know, it, it, they're exceeding expectations already. Uh, I think they were picked third to last in the SEC overall, um, third to last in the in in the East, um, right behind their right behind South Carolina, ahead of Missouri and Kentucky. Um, the thing that is that is the story of this team so far has been the bats. They hit the ball and they score runs. They have put up in um, in 16 games played, they've scored 10 or more runs in 10 of them. Uh, two more that they scored nine in, and one of those nines that they lost, um, which leads me to my next point. They don't necessarily have an ace pitcher. They don't have an Emerson Hancock. They don't have a Cole Wilcox in their back pocket. They don't have a uh, Jonathan Cannon, who, who was an ace pitcher for them these last couple of seasons. Um, so without that kind of a guy, they need to be able to hit the ball. And so far, so good. I mean, they're 12 and four, uh, have won every series up to this point, but it's, it's snuck up on them on the weekends. It's snuck up on them on Sundays where, you know, the, the, the depth of the bullpen may not necessarily be there. It gets tested because the starters haven't made it deep into games. And, and because the depth of the bullpen bullpen gets tested, you end up seeing a game that they drop on Sunday where they could have swept the series. Um, that was the case against Princeton. That was the case against Georgia tech. Um, that they, they ended up winning the Sunday game in the opening series against um, against Jacksonville state after dropping opening day. But you know, they, they lost the last game of the series this past weekend against Charleston Southern too. Um, you know, that, that was a double header on Saturday and, as opposed to a Sunday game, but nonetheless, they've, they've dropped three of their four final games of series. And so I think was, as you look at this team, you, you see the bats, you see the runs that is exciting to people to watch, but they got to get the pitching going. And, and that starts with Jaden Woods on Friday night. Liam Sullivan has been a great Saturday starter for them, but those two guys, they're, they're, they're both juniors. They both have started games in the sec they're both experienced but mm. they've got to show up and 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 be reliable in, in order for georgia to be competitive in the sec because you're not going to put up 10 runs plus and in you know you can't just count on that happening every weekend right how much is connor tate like out of eligibility at this point it feels like he's been at georgia forever at this point right this will be this will be connor tate's last season okay um, so, his, so he <laughs> Uh, his his twin brother Cole Tate right. um, was out of eligibility after last season. Connor redshirted their first year on campus, um, so he had one more year of eligibility. And man, he's off to a red hot start, hitting five sixteen so far this season. Has six home runs, twenty two RBI. Um, had a school record three home runs in their game this past weekend. Um, the first game of the doubleheader on Saturday. Um, Hit hit single solo shots uh, in the first inning, the second inning, and the third inning. Um, so certainly an exciting way to start off that game that they ended up winning fifteen to nothing. Um, but Charlie Condon has has also been um, a, a very impressive. Has more RBIs, has more home runs, has a, a league high five seventeen batting average and, and a nation leading thirty two RBI. Um, he has been an unsung hero for Georgia so far this season. Yeah. From a, you mentioned obviously Woods and, and Sullivan, what, how good have they been? Obviously, they haven't gotten deep into games at times, but how good have they been? And who are some guys that we should expect maybe on that Sunday 
Um, do they have a set Sunday starter or is it kind of by committee at this point? So um, they, they've they kind of established a Sunday starter um, already with that being Nolan Crisp, um, former – used to come out of the bullpen, um, was a closer at Florida before he transferred to Georgia. Um, he, he's been at Georgia for a couple seasons and in and out of a starter's role. Um, he did not start the season in the starter's role, came out of the bullpen in their first Sunday game of the season and was impressive earned the, the the right to start on Sunday. Um, and, and so he's been that Sunday guy for them. Um, but, I mean, it is absolutely Sundays all around this league, but but definitely for Georgia, um, more of a by-committee thing. He's, he's not necessarily a true starter, um, a, a guy that has probably four or five good innings in him, uh, and then you're relying on the bullpen to help you finish out um, finish out the, the, uh, game and, and the series as for Woods and Sullivan, um, both of them have, have been really, really impressive, especially these last three weeks. Um, if you go look at that opening series that they played against Jacksonville state, they, they dropped the first game <clears throat> and on Friday night and Jaden Woods went, I think he didn't make it out of the third inning. Mm-hmm. Um, he gave up two home runs and that it was a struggle. Uh, they end up losing that game. Next day, you go to you go to Liam Sullivan on Saturday. Don't think he made it out of the third inning. He gave up two home runs. So the message coming out of that weekend uh, was was one of motivation for those two guys from Scott Strickland. Um, he wanted Sullivan and Woods knows how important that Friday starter is and and your Saturday starter as well to experience guys. Um, so he challenged them, and, and they've responded to that challenge. Um, Liam went out uh, after that against Princeton. There's seven no-hit innings uh, against the Tigers before coming out um, on a pitch count. Um, struck out, I think it was 11 in that game. Um, Jaden on that Friday night also struck out 11 against Princeton. Um, they you know, were both impressive against Georgia Tech. And, and this, then this past weekend, both were impressive once again. Uh, both moved to three and zero on the season. Got no decisions in that first start before winning the last three. Um, and, and Liam was really good again. I mean, he's he's got a zero four four ERA um, with uh, six hits allowed, five runs allowed. Um, the, the this past weekend he went five no hit innings, uh, and Georgia had a staff uh, no hitter headed into the seventh, gave up a single uh, with, with one out against Charleston Southern. Again, a 15 nothing run rule win there uh, as a part of a doubleheader. So they gave up a single, uh, but that was the only hit that they allowed on that Saturday um, first game. So Liam has been great. Jaden has been great. Um, both of them ha- have been responded well to the challenge that they got. Um, but again, as I said before, uh, certainly a, a different challenge level that, that's ahead of them in the SEC. And they know that. They've, they've been around the block. Um, they know that. This team knows that. This coaching staff knows that. Uh, it's all about how these guys respond to that challenge now. And, and we'll let you get out of here in a little bit. But I guess from who are some guys, you know, you look at the, the stats and, you know, you got Charlie Condon, Connor Tate, Mason LaPlante. I mean, all these good play, you know, position guys. Then you have a few key bullpen arms as well if I'm going through your Kyler Kyle Greeler Greenler is that Greenler. how you say it? yeah, yeah. Who, who are some guys that aren't getting talked about enough that South Carolina fans need to know whether it's a position guy or a bullpen arm 
that they need to know going into this series? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you one on each. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Mason LaPlante transfer from Yale there. Um, certainly ha- has been impressive for Georgia hitting 356. Um, but I'll, I'll go a little bit further down, and that's Will David, um, who, who's a transfer as well. Um, he transferred in from Samford, um, mm-hmm. and, and he's, been, he's been impressive. Has 10 RBI to his name, um, two home runs, ha- had a really strong – weekend this past series um he's in and out of the starting lineup but certainly somebody that can get plugged in at any point um and parks harbor um has been really impressive was was got off to a hot hot start um the first few weekends has battled injury here as of late um i don't think he participated in the games this past weekend Mm -hmm. um or if he did it was pretty limited um and Okay, so he he did participate, but he was banged up. Um, but that's certainly somebody to watch. And I think with with Georgia and, and this lineup in general is there's a lot of uh, position versatility. I mean, Charlie Condon can play first base, he can play outfield. Connor Tate can is is an outfielder, but he can DH. Um, and, and actually played first base some this weekend. Mason LaPlante can play in the middle there. Um, Sebastian Marillo is a transfer from Long Beach State that can play both both positions in the middle. Um, ben Anderson, you know you're, what you're getting with him in a center fielder. Corey Collins can do a little bit of all. He can play in the outfield. He can play catcher. He can play first base. He can DH. Um, Will David, first, short. Uh, or, or first and short are the only positions that he can't play in the infield, uh, but definitely a third baseman and a second baseman there. Parks Harbor plays first and third. Cole Wagner can play in the infield, play in the outfield, can DH. There's a lot of position versatility, which which I think gives Georgia a, a really good mix of lineups. Um, and Scott Strick on the ability to – uh, kind of set that lineup based on uh, based on the pitching matchups and change the lineup in the game based on pitching matchups. So those those would be guys. I mean, that, that's pretty much everyone that plays for them. Yeah. Uh, in in certain terms of position players, but there's a lot of them, and and so um, th- those have been guys that have been worth watching. Uh, Dalton Radon's another transfer. Um, you mentioned Kyle Greenler. Greenler transferred from um, transferred from Elon. Radon's transferred from Wofford, uh, who Georgia actually plays tomorrow in its midweek series. Another team that comes into Athens with just one loss. They're 14 and one, I believe. Um, but he, he's been a great bullpen uh, pitcher for them. Uh, Chandler Marsh, Nolan Crisp, like I said, Sunday starter, Leighton Finley. A lot of names that come out of that bullpen. Um, and that's can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. It, it can mean, uh, you've got a lot of versatility and, and a lot of arms that you can rely on, but it can also mean, hey, you're, you're having some struggles in the bullpen and you can't necessarily rely on uh, any of these guys for longer than than a couple of batters. So um, that's the story of Georgia this season is, is they've got a lot of positionless uh, versatility that they can use in their lineup to their benefit. They've hit the ball really well, and when they've pitched it well, they've won those games. When not – they, they, I mean, it's hard to put up just to rely on putting up 10 runs a game. Um, you know, they, they, they won a game 18 to nine this past weekend. You, right. you can't, you can't rely on scoring 10 runs, uh, you know, especially against a team, 
you know, like South Carolina, like the teams that you're going to play in the SEC, you can probably count on scoring 10 against Charleston Southern, but you can't rely on that every weekend in the SEC. So pitching has got to step up for Georgia if they're going to be competitive. Uh, and I think we'll really learn a lot about the Bulldogs this weekend um, as they start SEC play. Yeah. Um, I guess final question before we let you go, but you've kind of already touched on it a little bit, but what does Georgia have to do? This is a South Carolina team that's mashed early, a lot of home runs, a pitching staff that's been kind of what it's been billed to be coming into the year. What does Georgia have to do to, to walk away from this winning two out of the three games? I assume probably winning Friday, Saturday, but what do they have to do to win this series? They can't give up home runs. I mean, that that was a problem for Georgia um, in that in that Princeton series. Um, they they were able to granted it was four games. Mm-hmm. But they were able to and they were able to limit majority of the home runs that they gave up to a solo shot. But I think they gave up like 10 or 11 in that wow. series alone. Um, th- that's something that has plagued Jaden Woods throughout his career. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that is it has a good fastball, a good changeup, not a great slider. And they're continuing to work on that. Um, you, you really got to be a three-pitch guy if you're going to be a starter in the SEC, especially a Friday night starter. Liam Sullivan, a bigger guy who brings a lot of velocity to the plate, but that that can also mean that teams, when they when they hit the ball, it's going to go far. So right. It's fast off, off the bat, onto the bat, you know what I mean? Exactly. So those guys have, have got to go deep into games. That means that they can't give up those those long home runs. They can't, you know, they, they, they got to keep the ball in the strike zone and avoid the walks. That was a problem for Georgia last year and and at times has been a problem this year. Um, but I think if you can, like you said, those, those Friday, Saturday guys, you know what you got with them. You've got to have good outings from them uh, in order to give yourself a chance to win this series. And, and if not, then all hell breaks loose on Sunday. Yeah, and, and South Carolina's got a couple lefty bats in that lineup looking at that short porch in right field. Yeah. Probably licking their chops at this point. So, um, Palmer, if people want to find you, where can they go and, and where can they find as much as they want to read probably on Georgia uh, baseball, basketball, and, and football? Yeah, they probably don't want to read too much Georgia basketball <laughs> stuff right yeah. now. Um, probably going to be more transfer portal entries uh, mm. than it is uh, any good news there. But yeah. Dogs HQ, um, part of the On3 network, uh, love working with you guys uh, when, when we have the chance to cross over. So Dogs HQ and then – um, you find me on Twitter at Palmer Toms. Awesome. Appreciate it, Palmer. Thank you so much. You go enjoy the rest of your Monday night and try to get some sleep before uh, this, this crazy time that's spring ball, transfer portal, and now uh, baseball gets gets cranked up. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Appreciate it, Palmer. That was awesome. It was, was awesome. spur of the moment. Palmer messaged me as soon as he saw our baseball stuff and was like, hey, if you want me to hop on, Let's do it. And I was like, hell yeah, let's make it happen. And oh, yes. um, just fantastic. That was as, as great as we could possibly be and um, gave us some insight because I hadn't done a whole lot of deep diving yet onto Georgia. So fantastic as always. And now we get to kind of wrap up. Um, we can kind of talk pitching and then we're, we'll do a, a little bit of a curveball, but we'll talk some pitching quick. We'll talk a little bit of um, maybe what we want to see first week in an SEC play and then wrap it up with, with any questions you might have. Yeah, absolutely. Palmer was great. I mean, he, every time I would think of a question, he would cover it in the moment. Yeah. It was, and you're it was, like, well, yeah, no. you know, what's the point? Was, now? 
Yeah, he, he was great. Exactly. Exactly. But um, so let, let's transition and do some pitching. What do we think? This is the pitching staff that was billed to be top probably, you know, three or four in the SEC, a top 15 pitching staff in the country. It's kind of lived up to that billing, Joe, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think with your starters um, and Sanders, Hall, and then Mahoney coming back, I mean, that's that's your three-headed monster right there. Um, and, and that those guys have all lived up to, to the billing so far, too. And then I think when you have those three guys who are rock solid in the weekend order, it, it allows the guys who were kind of fringe starters last year to be bullpen guys and come out of the bullpen and, and, and you know, really bring – show what they've got in, in a couple of innings and just adds to the depth um, – I think of a guy like Matthew Becker coming out of the bullpen, like his curveball is filthy. And I mean, he was a fringe starter last year, started a couple games, the Gamecocks. Um, so I, I think this pitching staff has lived up to it, all that and more. Um, and I think also too, there've been a lot of guys coming out of the bullpen, a lot of young guys, a lot of newcomers and a lot of old faces too, but um, a lot of newer faces that have come on and just, you know, dominated. And I mean, we'll get to, you know, our MVPs and stuff like that, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm really, really, really excited about this pitching staff. Yeah. It's lived up to the billing so far. It's a group that's deep. It's a group that can come at you in waves. And you saw last year, you know, because of the injuries and you were just decimated with those from top to bottom, it was all right. If will, will feels good enough to give us five, Let's see if he can give us six or Will Sanders. Noah Hall gives you six. Let's just see if he can't get to seven. And then it's okay. Well, you know, Kate Austin's given you two really good innings out of the pen you, because you're so deep, not deep enough. Like, can he give you a third? Same with Becker. Same with all these guys. They're just, you had to stretch so many guys that it, it caused problems late in games. It caused problems on those Sundays, like Palmer talked about with UGA. Uh, because you just weren't deep. And, and this year it's like, all right, you know, Will gives a six, put in Jerzenbeck for the seventh, put in Kate Austin for the eighth, put in Matt Becker, Chris Beach for the ninth, boom, 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 you're done. Like you don't have to – if a guy only feels good enough to give you an inning out of the pen, you don't have to ask him to give you two. You go back and you go to the pen. Um, for another guy that it's – if not as good, I mean, comparable. Um, you have matchups. It's a little bit thin on lefties. You'd like probably another lefty, maybe two, um, in the pen because you have Becker and you know Phipps had been good, struggled on um, that that game two, the Saturday one, just couldn't throw enough strikes. But you have you'd like to see a little bit more left-handedness. Um, you'd like to see the good news is South Carolina's forced teams to strand 114 batters through 17 games. The bad news is they've worked themselves into a few jams along the way. Um, you'd like to see this team not have to have, you know, bases loaded jams or whatever, what have you. Uh, but they've been really, really good pitching out of trouble. Um, that's what I've really enjoyed about this. You'd like to see less trouble, obviously, uh, but they've been really good at pitching around it. Um, if you're South Carolina and teams are only hitting 219 against them. I looked it up today. Um, it was – I want to say South Carolina's done 150 innings of baseball this year. Teams have scored in 31 of those innings, which is fantastic in and of its own. 
only eight of those 31 innings have been multi-hit innings, multi-run innings. Uh, and I think three of those eight came against Clemson. You had the two-run inning in the first inning at Sanders. You had the three-run inning on Saturday, and then you had the four-run inning on Saturday. Those were three of the eight. Um, so this is a staff that, yes, there are things to work on. Yes, you'd like to see more dominance maybe from Will Sanders. Um, but it's been as, as my girl Wrigley um, – does that, but you'd like to see maybe a little bit more dominance from Will Sanders. Can I help you? But um, she's like staring at him. He's uh, fired up about Will Sanders. But but it's it's a pitching staff that's lived up to the bill and, and can continue to get better, which is the, which is the the scary thing if you're South Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Colin, I'll get into my MVPs real quick. Yeah. Um. We, we can go that route. Um, so my non-conference MVPs for the pitching staff, my MVP starter has been Noah Hall. I think he's been nails. Um, I think the Saturday slot is perfect for him. Um, he thrives in it being the number two guy in the rotation. I think, you know, if, if he were to give it a go on Friday, I think it would be different. I'm, I'm not convinced, though. Um, he's just been absolutely amazing. And he goes so deep into games. Yes. Like he's, my, he's my starter MVP, too, but he goes so deep and saves your bullpen. You, yep. If Will can only give you five, if Mahoney yep. coming off TJ can only give you five, it's still – it allows you to kind of save some of your bullpen arms. Yeah. I mean, 2.59 ERA in 24 innings um, with four starts, seven earned runs, with, and, and 26 strikeouts. I mean, that's yeah. nuts. Like, that's that's really, 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 really good. He has been, like, just striking guys out left and right. And mm. it's, nobody's surprised. Um, so you said he was your MVP starter, so I love how we're on the same page. Uh, yeah. I, don't so, think there's a, I don't think there's another choice right now. Mahoney's been, Mahoney's been good, but he's had to pitch out of some trouble. And, you know, you've seen kind of the – there's going to be some rust to knock off with TJ. Um, but uh, – Mahoney's up there. Sanders has been good, not great through the first four starts, but I don't think there's anybody but Hall that you can give that to. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, so. My going into the bullpen MVP, my bullpen MVP is Chris Beach. He has been a really, really, really good closer. Um, when you had a guy like Nick Proctor coming in, there were going to be questions about who the closer was going to be. And I mean, Proctor's played well, but Veach has stepped up even more. Um, you know, a guy that was expected to go both ways, you know, hitting and, and pitching um, has more of, you know, lean towards the pitching side. Um, I, I think he's been doing really well, especially after coming off Tommy John. Uh, so Veach with a 3.38 ERA and that number is lying to you. Numbers never lie, but yes, they are for Chris Veach. Because um, he had that one bad outing against Clemson, but I mean, he's thrown five innings. He's got two saves. He's allowed two hits with two earned runs, three walks, and seven strikeouts. Seven strikeouts in five innings is it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, in, in my eyes, so Colin, who is your bullpen MVP? I gotta go, Hicksy. Yeah. Like I mean, James yeah. Hicks has been awesome. Um, I mean, the Clemson, he was dominant against Clemson in a series that he spent a year looking forward to pitching in. And he's been everything you want. He's not a guy that's going to overpower you with velocity. He's 92 to 93 more often than not. Um, but he's just a sinker baller that's going to change speeds, throw strikes, and force you. 
I can't tell you how many ground outs that dude. I mean, it's just ground out to short, ground out to second, ground out to short, ground out to second. Um, and boom, boom, boom. I wouldn't be shocked if um, Hicks gets a start or two in SEC play. Yeah, um, but, you know, just it, depending on how they, if they want to move things around, I wouldn't be shocked just because he has been so good. And um, he's a guy that can go two or three times through an order. And, and you were hoping he would be that for you last year before he got hurt. So um, before we go, I mean, just let's, let's just think about this staff. Jack Mahoney would be a Friday night starter for how many programs in the country? A lot. Matthew Becker would be in the starting rotation for how many teams in the country? A lot. Eli Jerzenbeck would be a starter for how many a teams? Lot. In the country? James Hicks would be a starter for a lot of teams in this yes. in Division One baseball. Those are dudes coming out of the bullpen for you. Yes. Um, Absolutely. It's an embarrassment of riches right now for I, South I Carolina. Agree. And it makes you excited. Obviously, Hicks, you probably project – you know, if things go the way they're supposed to, um, you lose Sanders, you lose Hall, you lose Mahoney, you lose Hicks, depending on, you know, obviously the drafts coming up, but um, you lose those guys, but you still have a Jersey back. You still have Matthew Becker. You still have Kate Austin, potentially. Kate could, could go if he wanted to. I don't know if he's going to have enough innings, but Kate is a draft prospect with that fastball and that changeup. Um, that changeup's filthy. But, oh, yeah. It, it not only sets you up for success this year because you're so deep, but now you're not asking Eli Jerzenbeck, um to go out there and try to pitch in the SEC as a freshman. Yet he'll get his feet wet as a bullpen guy or potentially start if you want him to. But um, you're not asking these guys to do too much, and, and I think that's really impressive as, as we continue these MVPs. But I just think it's an embarrassment of riches as, as you sit here right now. I couldn't agree more, Colin. Yeah. Like I, that's what I'm. That's what I was getting at um, as we started this segment. Is like you have to have your three starters that you do on the weekend, and then you have so many other guys that could start for other programs coming out of the bullpen is nuts. And I think that's yeah. what. I mean, and and Hall, Sanders, and and Mahoney were all on the roster, but I think you know bulking it up even more and having those guys healthy. Knock on wood here. But I, I think it's just – it's crazy how much that does for you when you have those three guys on the weekend solidified and all that stuff, and then you have all these guys coming out of the bullpen. It's wild with everybody yeah, else. And I give a lot of credit to Skylar Mead. Uh, he was the guy that was the primary recruiter for a lot of these guys. All three of your rotation guys are recruited by Skylar Mead. Um, all of your – I think Jerzebeck committed under Skylar Mead. Matthew Becker was a Skylar Mead guy. Kate Austin might have been – a Skyler Mead guy. If not, he was um, Jerry Myers. But you're talking about a staff that was assembled by Skyler Mead, but Justin Parker's done a fantastic job developing them. Uh, has turned Noah Hall into what Noah Hall is. Um, has helped, you know, Matthew Becker and Kate Austin develop even more. So um, that's something that's I've been really impressed with, with, you know, Justin Parker got to come in and have a lot of these ingredients, but he's done the best with these ingredients um, so far as you've gone through the first 17 games of SEC play, or of non-conference play before SEC play. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, my newcomer MVP, Colin, it's a guy we've already talked about a lot, and I think it's an obvious choice. Yeah, I mean, I, there's no other guy that I think. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, so Eli Jerzenbeck is my newcomer MVP. 
a 1.59 ERA in 11.1 innings, eight hits, two runs with 15 strikeouts and one walk. One walk, Colin. That's nuts yeah. for a true freshman. Like, this kid came right out of high school. I need to remind everybody. And there is the pool. I saw the comment about the puppy. So this is a, yes. oh this my. is – we haven't named – my wife's standing behind the camera. So she was the one that brought it up here. But we haven't named the white one yet. Um, oh there's God. seven of these little little buggers uh, here the for the next month or so. Um, but as Wrigley's, like, staring at me intently to make sure I don't do anything bad with this one, but – I, I will be over shortly to come play with the puppies. So, yeah. <laughs> so, your Wrigley is intently watching me. So, I'm going to let my wife take this one back and let Wrigley clean her up. And ooh, It might be feeding time, so we're going to let that go. But I saw the comment, and I wanted to make sure the puppy yeah, – yeah, Wrigley's inspecting it over there to make sure I didn't do anything to the puppy. Ashley, thank you so much yes. for that. That yes. was much needed. And I mean, Colin, you're you're known for posting Wrigley on, on Twitter. Yeah, we'll get some puppy photos in there at some point. Yes. Yeah. We'll oh, yeah. get some puppy photos in there at some point. Absolutely. And I mean this baseball team, you haven't had to post many Wrigley photos, thankfully. Yeah, you get a little bit of Not you get a little bit of a break with that one. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, Jers, Jers and Beck has been an absolute stud. Um, I think you know, you can basically play him anywhere. Um Take him out uh, the uh, out the bullpen. Start him in the midweek. He's gonna deal. Um, he was a perfect game ten. Uh, the kid is just—he's a stud. Turned down the majors to go to come to Columbia. Um, Significant money to come to Columbia. Yeah. Oh, big money. Absolutely. And I mean, he's proving why yeah. he is all that and more. And I mean, he's just—he he just shoves. I mean, it's it's plain and simply, and he. Pulls up to the ballpark and just does his job. He's one of, not one of those guys that do, plays with a lot of emotion. He just shows up, does his job, clocks out. And the moment didn't seem too big. Like like he oh, struggled yeah. some in his first bullpen appearance, came in, I think, with the bases loaded and gave up all three inherited runners or two of the three inherited runners and um, struggled there. But he's grown from that. I mean, he's a guy that over his last six innings, because I looked at it today, he hasn't allowed a run in his last six innings. He's allowed one hit and one walk, if I'm not mistaken. He's faced 20 batters. That includes the walk. I, or I don't know if that includes the walk, but he's faced 20 batters and has struck out 11 of them. He's just got major league stuff. He's got big league stuff, and it's really impressive. And um, I don't know if you could pick any other newcomer outside of him right now that that's your guy um, because it's been, it's been impressive to watch. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we can't say enough good things about Jerry's. Uh, yeah. So I guess our last one here before we get to an ad break real quick, my unsung hero is Mr. Eli Jones. Um, another bullpen guy. He started your midweeks last year. Um, another guy that's, you know, relatively young and has shown progression. Um, coming off TJ too, another guy that's slowly coming back from Tommy John. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, he's got one five nine ERA and five point two innings. Yeah, five two thirds innings. It's one earned run and six strikeouts. Um, I don't think yeah. he gets enough credit, um, just simply because he, he is another bullpen guy that that again gets overlooked um, and from a guy that was your a midweek starter, um, you know, the guy that you would start 
for games that didn't, I mean, obviously the midweeks always matter, but on teams that were a little bit lesser, I think Eli's done a great job and number one, adapting to his new role, but two, also, you know, proving he can do both. And again, the Tommy John thing too. Uh, Eli's really bounced back and certainly impressed me this year. Just throw strikes. He throws strikes and doesn't give up a ton of hits and he's just been really good. And I'll go with my unsung hero. He's only thrown five innings, um, but I'll give it to Kate Austin. Um, just his ERA, you don't look at it and go, wow, that's dominant. But you're talking about a guy that's, you know, five innings. He's given up three hits. He's walked two. He's struck out seven with a 176 batting average against. Um, he just comes in and he either strikes you out or he gets a lot of weak contact more often than not when he's fresh. So that's the thing that you love about Cade. And, you know, he dots up his fastball. He has, if Noah Hall has the best changeup on the team, Cade's is not far behind. Um, and that's what, when you're an SEC reliever, you can keep guys off balance, moving your fastball around and with, with some good spin to it and pairing it with a really good changeup and tunneling that well. So I think that that's something if you're South Carolina, um, you feel really good about Cade just being one of those guys that if you need to bridge an inning or two out of the bullpen, you get him, he throws strikes, he's really good about um, just – getting in there he's a gamer man and if he does that then you know you have a really good bullpen arm that can go out there and get outs for you in sec play and he's shown he can do that absolutely and that's i mean another guy that's been a starter too i mean they've they've tried him out there in a lot of different roles and um he's just he's kind of just gives you outs and they had to press him into a lot of action last year um more innings than maybe he thought he was going to get early but just comes in. They're not asking him to do too much this year, which is exactly what you want. He's pitched in five games and he has five innings pitched. So he's not a guy that you're going to ask to go out there a ton, but he just eats it. You know, he, he comes in there and he does his job and he strikes dudes out and he goes home. Like that's, that's all he, that's, that's Kate Austin for you. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Colin, I want to talk about our, another sponsor of ours, Taxiety. Tax Society is that uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. Tax Teamer Liberty Tax and Irma Lexington in Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time, Colin. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated staff by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 99 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. You can find their number on the screen right now, 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576. Call them for all of your tax needs as it is. Tax season, Colin, is upon us. With baseball season comes tax season. It's here, and I still haven't done my taxes yet. So I'm going to Liberty, and we're going to make it happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I love being a dependent, but (laughs) it is nice. But uh, so getting into our last segment, we can go over it quickly, um, and and then we'll get to Q&A too. If you guys have questions, just hit us in the comments. We will get to those as well. but Colin, I guess what's next is is our next segment. So starting off with the offense, what is next offense? Yeah. What else can you do from that hot start? 
Yeah, you need to be better at times situationally. We've seen some guys press at times with runners on, uh, especially, you know, that Penn series early against Clemson, you saw a little bit of that. So uh, you'd like to see some things, you know, be more consistent situationally. You'd like to see a leadoff hitter um, emerge, whether that's Caleb Denny, who's going to continue to get some run, um, whether that's, um, Will, you know, they tried Will McGillis there, they tried Carson Horning there, Dylan Brewer, if he continues to play like he has over the last four games, is a candidate there. But you'd like to see um, maybe more some, some more consistency, which you have of late, uh, but you'd also like to see some someone step up in that leadoff hitter role and uh, find ways to really attack this an SEC pitching staff because you're not going to be able to put up, you know, 10, 20 runs like you have been at times uh, against – that and, and be really good against bullpens too. Um, a lot of these mid-major schools that you're playing in non-con have one or two guys in the bullpen. You're going to see an S, you're going to see SEC teams with a ton better. So um, be able to attack good bullpens uh, and good starting pitching at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm kind of going to say something similar. I mean, I think like I talked about at the top of the show, just kind of that clutch factor when you have runners in base, you got to just tighten up, choke up a little bit. I mean, put the ball in play, um, I think, you know, in the non-conference. They did a decent job of it. And, again, there aren't very many complaints um, from that offensive showing that they've they've brought into SEC play. Um, but I, I think, you know, you, you just got to work on the clutch factor. You got to, you know, bring these runners home and, and, and do well when, when guys are on base. And that's how you win ball games, especially in the SEC. Uh, you got to hit well when guys are on base. So, I mean, that's really – the only thing I can think of in terms of um, what's next for this offense, because they have been so good. Uh, Colin, what's next for the pitching? Keep it up. I mean, yeah, exactly. Um, you'd like to see a true closer develop. Um, Veach has done that at times. Um, you know, Becker's been there a little bit too. Um, he's starting tomorrow for them against – Presbyterian, um, they have a better idea of what the bullpen looks like, but continue to figure out roles, continue to figure out who's going to be your closer, um, your dude. And that's just solidifying roles, whether that's a Jerzenbeck, um, whether that's maybe a Hicks, whether that is Veach, just continue to have two or three guys that you can lean on to come in there and just close out games. Yeah, I agree. I like that point. And I think, you know, Proctor obviously hasn't done well so far. He's got shelled a little bit. Yeah. I will say elite walkout song. Yeah. Elite walkout song. Yeah, elite. Kung Fu fighting is perfect. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'd like to see Proctor kind of – I mean, he's, he's got a lot left to prove if he wants to make it in that rotation. But, I mean, he kind of came in as a transfer. Everyone kind of expected him to be the guy. Uh, but So I think that potential is still in there to at least make it into the rotation with Beach. Austin, I'd love to see Jerzy back close. I think he's got the swagger. He's got, you know, all that and more. I mean, like he's I said, got the quirks to do it. He's got yeah. the quirkiness the that you need to be a closer in this league. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, like like we said, I mean, you can put Jerzy back wherever you want and he's going to do well. Uh, you know, he's big leaguer. So yeah. that's kind of what I got. Um, so I guess looking ahead to Georgia, Palmer touched on everything we need yeah. for that. Just Give me, give me one key if you're South Carolina to beat in Georgia. 
starting fast. You've got to start fast in SEC play. These bats got to get off to a hot start, um, and especially on the road too. I mean, South Carolina historically has not done well on the road when they don't get off to a fast start, especially in the SEC. We saw that a lot last year. You know, they'd get down in games or at least, you know, the game would drag on and then they just can't find life in the bats. I think you got to get off to a fast start because then you can carry the momentum throughout the rest of the game. We've seen that. Um, even if you're not hitting home runs early, you know, that'll come later in the game if you do get some runs early. Yeah, and I think, too, you have to – I'll stick on the offensive side because I think this is a pitching staff that – it's it's good. It's a good pitching staff, and I don't think you're gonna, you know, on paper at least shouldn't shouldn't allow ten plus runs to Georgia um, for three straight games. But you got to get those starting pitchers out. You got to work good counts. You got to work pitch counts. You got to do some damage um, because, like Palmer said, that bullpen's just kind of been hit or miss, and it's been you know it's not a, a deep bullpen. So if you can get to the bullpen and um, force them to use their big arms early in the series, it, it sets you up well later um, as you continue to go on. And that's something South Carolina has to do. They've, they've been able to do that at times this year to, to chase that starter after you know, four innings, five innings. Um, you got to do that this weekend. And then, you know, you got those lefty bats. You got Caleb Denny, you got Gavin Costas and Carson Hornung and uh, Dylan Brewer to a degree too. Yeah. That Georgia, I've been to Georgia. That porch in right field is short. You get a ball up in, in the air there, and that thing is going to carry. Yep. Hit for some power. Um, use that left-handedness that you spent all this offseason bringing in um, and really pepper that that right field short porch. And if you do that, then you have a chance to shake, you know, knock the starter out, and um, you get a chance to go and uh, really do some do some damage against that, that roster. Yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. As we move into the Q&A section, not a whole lot of questions tonight, but we'll get to that. Um, so first one from RL, am I crazy or did Carolina even try starting relievers a few innings late last season? Yeah, Brett Thomas was Brett Thomas was your Friday starter because they just pitched backwards. They had to. They would start Sanders on Saturday or Sanders on Sunday and Hall on Saturday. I mean, they were trying everything just to get squeeze as many innings as possible out of out of this group. Yeah, absolutely. We do have one from the mailbag from the message boards. Fog 22 over on the insiders forum asked, when is Jacob Compton scheduled to play again? Play again, still TBD. Um, we'll get an update from Mark Kingston. They play Tuesday and then they'll have availability Thursday. We'll kind of get a clearer picture of what his prognosis looks like. I know that they were talking about um, the potential of him being out of that back brace within the next month. And that was about a month ago. So uh, my guess is they'll start evaluating him and seeing how it's starting to heal. And then we'll know more this week and, and early in SEC play on what that might look like for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, coming into this year, he was a big, 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 big piece um, for, for depth, especially at first base, just another big bat. So I definitely need him back. Um, so our last question, another, or, Second to last question from RL. Um, appreciate the donation. Who's a good dog? Wrigley is. Wrigley. Wrigley is a fantastic dog. That's Absolutely. my girl. That is my girl. I can attest. Yes. Um, and last one from RL. What is the show's Twitter handle? We currently do not have a page for the show. Gamecock um, Central yes. and then our own personal Twitter accounts. Colin yep. Taylor and Joe well, what's your official 
At Joe Machika. Okay. At Joe Machika. Yep. No at intern Joe quite yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, we're we're debating. I don't know. We'll we'll see if we get a <laughs> a title, but I don't know. We'll see. I understand. Uh, hashtag intern Joe. But anyways, that is it from us tonight. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm intern Joe. That's Colin Taylor. Join us next week for Foul Balls. And then we have one more episode of The Hard yeah, Foul. We'll, we'll be popping in and out during the offseason with The Hard Foul, talking, you know, transfer portals obviously going on right now. So mm-hmm. we'll have some recruiting-centric, uh, some team-centric stuff over the course of the offseason as we uh, as South Carolina starts to kind of build its roster and what, what that might look like. Yeah, and I mean the, the women's team is the women's basketball team. So Pretty good. You know. Yeah, pretty pretty good. But anyways, thank you everybody for tuning in. Have a good night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.